Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. has drawn a huge line of separation between God and the church. We know about uh, separation of church and state, but what I said last week to you, and I'm convinced of this, is that most of us, uh, at least those of us that attend church, we don't really embrace the concept of separation of church and state. We wholeheartedly embrace the idea of the separation of church and estate. Uh, and, and what I've discovered is, is that uh, in many cases, that separation is even embraced by the most faithful among us. We're always present, we're always spiritual, we're always diligent, always except in the area of what we own and what we possess. And then what we want to do is we want to draw lines of separation and say, Jesus, you can have all of me except for this. You can have the breath of my lungs because I recognize you can take that away. But you can't have my car because the keys are in my pocket. And you're not getting that. And we draw this line of separation. And what I mentioned to you last week, and you're going to hear me say this over and over again over the, the coming weeks as we continue to, to battle this, because I think it's true not only in finances, but in every area of our life, but in particular in our finances. And that is this. If we are bound by anything, then we are limited in everything. Did you catch that? If we are bound by anything, then we are limited in every other area of our life. That's particularly true in our finances. If you are bound up in your finances and you're broke in your finances and you're stressed out in your finances, how many would testify that that limits you in every other element of your life? Every other area of your life is impacted by your, your finances. And so we are. the reason we're doing this is because it is... One of the principalities that we have said that we've got to confront, I would su suggest to you that after isolation, this is perhaps the most difficult of the principalities to uproot. The principality of poverty. Because princi the principality of poverty, like I told you last week, sets itself up in, and roots itself in fear. We are scared to death that we're not going to have enough, that we're going to run out. That the ends aren't going to meet and we don't know what we're going to do. And so we allow the principality of poverty to set himself up and we begin to believe the lies of that principality rather than wholeheartedly believing what Jesus said when he said, listen, I'm your provider. I'm still Jehovah Jireh. We talked about this a little bit this weekend. It doesn't really matter what you know if what, what is important is what you believe. Because what you know has no bearing on your behavior. It's what you believe that dictates your behavior. And so many of us know that Jesus is Jehovah, Jireh, our provider. Many of us know that Jesus can come through in a pinch. But that, just because we know that doesn't mean we believe that. And we allow the, the, this principality of poverty to set up in fear. And so in a pinch we get nervous and we make stupid decisions. All the time quoted, he's Jehovah Jireh. Because we know that, we just don't believe it. I'm preaching and y'all are still thinking about football. Alright, listen. We've got to grow up 
to the place where we are obedient and submitted in every area of our life so that we can respond and we can behave and we can rally like the body of Christ is supposed to rally. We will never do that if we don't take this principality by the neck and destroy it in our lives. It is a mentality. It's learned helplessness. Are y'all with me this morning? Yeah. Alright, so... This is going to get tight over this week and next week. It's going to get painful in here. I just need you to understand. I'm, I'm just reading the word. All right? Don't go buy new boots because you're afraid I'm going to slip on your toes. Just wear the old ones. We won't judge you. We'll say you're understanding. Okay, y'all, some of y'all got that. Exodus chapter 10. We're going to spend a couple of weeks uh, here in, in this area of Scripture. Exodus chapter 10. We're going to learn some lessons. Out of Exodus chapter 10. You, if you'd like to, you can also turn to Joshua chapter 6 and just hold your finger there because we're going to come to that other later in this message. But we're going to start in Exodus chapter 10. Exodus chapter 10, beginning of verse 21. God said to Moses, stretch your hand in the skies. Let darkness descend on the land of Egypt. A darkness so dark you can touch it. Moses stretched out his hand in the skies and thick darkness descended on the land of Egypt for three days. Nobody could see anything. For, 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 for three days, no one could so much as move, except for the Israelites. They had light where they were living. Pharaoh called in Moses, go and worship God, but leave your flocks and herds behind. But go ahead and take your children. But Moses said, you have, let us, you have to let us take our sacrificial animals and offerings with us so that we can sacrifice them in worship to our God. Our livestock has to go with us, not a hook left behind. They are part of the worship of our God. Y'all miss that phrase. They are part of the worship of our God. And we don't know just what we will, will be needed until we get there. But God kept Pharaoh stubborn as ever. He wouldn't agree to release them. Alright, got your finger in Joshua chapter 6. We're going to come back there. But we're going to start here. You know this account. You know what's taking place. You, you know that Moses was a Hebrew who was raised in his, as an Egyptian. And on the backside of a desert around a burning bush, God calls him, marks him as a deliverer to set the children of Israel free. Get this, we'll come back to this next week. Out of bondage to the Egyptians for 400 years. Just going to make this statement. you got to come back next week to see what we're going to do with it. They were slaves for 400 years years. So now, he's called Moses to, to be the deliverer, and the, the challenge is, is that Pharaoh will not come to this place where he will give up hundreds of thousands of workers who are working to build his kingdom and to establish his, his reign across that part of the world. He didn't want to give them up. This is his workforce. These are the folks that are building for him. These are the folks that they get this manual labor for. And it doesn't cost him that much because they don't have to feed slaves very well. They don't have to provide for the slaves very much. So he doesn't want to give them up. And then all of a sudden Moses shows up on the scene. And he begins to give ultimatums that God has sent him with time and time again. There's an ultimatum. You've got to let us go. If you don't let us go, this is going to happen. And it happened. In fact, the account that I read to you, this passage that I read to you, is the account of the ninth plague, darkness. 
The issue is that after each one of the devastating plagues that come along, the frogs and, and, and the boils and the bloody water and all these other things that are taking place, the big hailstone, after every one of them, Pharaoh would call Moses in and then he would change his mind. You know, you know what he does. And so now it's the ninth plague, but this, this time is no different. However, in this particular account, there's a different dialogue that takes place. And it looks like that Pharaoh's about to give in. And then you've got to notice what he says. Pharaoh is so tired of the darkness, three days of darkness, that when he summons Moses in, he, he puts a stipulation on their ability to leave. Now this is not part of my message, so you're getting this part for free. But it is interesting to me that we always want to put stipulations on how God works miracles. That's exactly what Pharaoh was doing. He said, I want you to approach your God and ask him to work a miracle. But I'm going to put a stipulation on that. How many of you know we don't get to put stipulations on how God works his miracles? If it's not our preference, it doesn't matter. If it's a miracle, it's a miracle. All right, that went over huge. So this is going to get better as we go. Okay, so, so here's the stipulation. You can go and worship, but you've got to leave your stuff here. You've got to leave all your cattle, leave all your sheep, leave all your goats, leave it all here. So in other words, what Pharaoh, what the enemy is literally saying is this. He doesn't mind if you go worship as long as you leave broke. He doesn't mind. Let, let me put it in our vernacular. The enemy of our soul doesn't mind if you go get your praise on as long as when you finish your praise, you walk out broke. He doesn't mind. doesn't matter. You know what? This is why. Because Pharaoh realized that if the people left everything behind that they owned, that they would go out into the wilderness and they would journey out there and they would worship. But it was inevitable that as soon as they finished their worship service, because they left all their stuff behind, it was inevitable what would take place. After they get their praise on, they would then turn and go right back into bondage. Can I tell you this morning that the enemy of our soul doesn't have very many nutrients? If we never figure that out, he's not the he's not the brightest bulb in the. Come on now, he 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 doesn't have he doesn't have a whole lot of new tricks. He does the same thing. It's the same trick played over on us. Here's what I know. I know that what we do is we run to sanctuaries on Sunday and. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, we praise and we worship and we have an encounter with God. But the rest of the week, we run right back into bondage because what we do in worship has no bearing or impact on what we own or what we possess. We left that behind in the hands of our Pharaoh. And so we go into these encounters with God and then we just walk out of here and we leave broke. Notice what Moses does. He makes it clear. Listen to his statement. He says, Our livestock has to go with us, not a hoof left behind, because they are part of the worship of our God. You know what he's literally saying? He's saying that, that and what he's trying to teach us, you cannot separate your worship and your stuff. It cannot be done. So another way, true worship will always infiltrate not only your mouth, and your hands and your feet, but it will extend to your wallet and to your bank account and to what you own and what you have control of. It will true worship won't just be about raising hands and getting goosebumps. 
True worship will invade your wallet and your possessions. That's why when people start talking like this, I know they don't get it. Because I hear this all the time. We don't understand, Pastor Steve. I'm tithing my time, so that allows me not to have to tithe on my treasure. We're, it's like we're looking for a loophole for disobedience. That's what we're looking Listen, true worship will impact your time. But it will also impact your treasure. You cannot separate that. Moses is clear. It doesn't work. If we worship, but we don't take our stuff with us into freedom, it will only be a matter of time that we will march right back into Egypt and willingly, willingly submit to a harsh taskmaster. And I just want you to understand that I am committed to us having powerful Sunday morning services. I want us to happen. I demand it. Otherwise, we're wasting our time, right? Okay, but hear me this morning. I also want you to know that it doesn't matter how powerful the worship service is on Sunday, if your possessions are still controlled by enemy standards and enemy systems, then we are broke. And if we are bound by anything, then we are limited in everything. So it's not enough in here for you to come in here and worship the pain off the wall and never submit what you own and what you possess to the Lord. Because at that moment, it doesn't really matter how much you worship, you're still bound and you're still a slave. Come on. This is okay. Which brings us to the account in Joshua chapter 6. Now free the children of Israel under the command of Joshua. They're first, they're, you know the story. They're facing the first challenge on their way to the promised land. And they arrive at a city called Jericho. You know this account. We know about the victory at Jericho. But their, their victory at Jericho is linked to, to their defeat at the second city. Are you with me? We know about Jericho. It, their victory there is directly linked. So their defeat at the second city. All right, let me see if I can help you this morning. Just a few remi short reminders and some com comments, and then I'll get away. So, so you quit staring at me like you're staring at me now. Joshua chapter 6, beginning of verse 16, then going into verse 18 through 19, it says this. The seventh time around when the, peace, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Right? We know that part. So he's giving them instructions on how to win the victory, right? But then he stops. And before they actually go win the victory, he now gives them instructions on how to handle their victory. Okay. Here's what he says. But keep away from the devoted things. So, listen to this. So that you will not bring about your own destruction. Did you catch it? I said this last week. When we fail to submit what we own and possess to God, it is not God that curses us. We curse ourselves. And that's exactly what he's saying here. You bring about your own destruction. Alright? So, God just gets in agreement with what we said in the motion. And here he says, he says, you bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and you'll bring trouble on it. All the silver and the gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. 
But the Israelites, listen to that statement, but the Israelites, is that true? But the Israelites were unfaithful. Is that true? Were the Israelites unfaithful? Who was? Do you remember his name? Achan. We're going to read about Achan. But I want you to notice what God says. The Israelites, all of them. Y'all going to catch this. You can't be blessed in isolation and you don't bring around a curse in isolation. You see why we're doing this one second after isolation? You've got to understand, and this proves this, that we are connected. And when you are in rebellion or when you're in disobedience and how you handle the material possessions that God has given you, it doesn't just curse you. It curses all of us. And we all bear the brunt of it because God sees us as a body. And he's not just going to curse a thumb because if the thumb is cursed, guess what? Everything else hurts. I'm preaching and y'all are standing but the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan, the son of Carmine, you go, why do you, why, why God do you include all these names? Listen. Listen carefully. We'll see how, how, how sharp you are this morning. Achan, the son of Carmine, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. Okay, I'm going to help you here in a minute. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. And when they returned to Joshua, they said, Not, and, and now, now this is after he's done this, and they're scouting out ahead. They, they say, Not all of the army will have to go up against Ai. Send two or three thousand men to take it. Do not worry the whole army, for only a few people live there. So about three thousand went up, but they were routed by the men of Ai. And the Lord said to, uh, or, uh, the Lord said to Joshua, Stand up. I didn't read this part to you, but Joshua, realizing that something's wrong, falls on his face and begins to pray. God, what's wrong? I mean, you know, there are some things that prayer doesn't fix. Well, you don't hear that in church every week. He's praying, and God says, get off your face. Because you're trying to pray. You're trying to pray me out of your own disobedience, and I won't allow that to happen. Okay. It's, he says, stand up. What are you doing on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they've, made a, they've been made liable to destruction. I will, listen to this, painful, one of the worst statements ever made in Scripture. I will not be with you anymore. So you got material possessions. But you don't have the presence of God. You're rich by earthly standards. But God's not with you anymore. Does anybody else get how painful that is? That is unbelievably a devastating state. I will not be with you anymore. Unless you destroy whatever is among you. That is devoted to destruction. So here they are. They're on mission. The children of Israel win a rousing and astounding victory in Jericho. They weren't supposed to win there. Right? I mean, here, here's a ragtag group of slaves that are not trained in warfare, and they arrive at the first city, and they come face to face with this imposing 
established city with walls that are so wide that chariots can go around the top of it. And they win. They're not supposed to win there. Right? And then they come to Ai and there's so few people living there that they're not supposed to lose. In fact, it's so, so unimposing that they go and they scout it and they come back to Joshua and they say, listen, don't even bother everybody. Just send out like a few. The rest of us are going to take a little vacation here. We need some time off. We're just going to kick it by the fire. Then they'll take care of it, come back, bring all the stuff to us, and we'll, we'll be on vacation. And they go to a city that they're supposed to defeat and they lose. Do you catch it? They won a victory they weren't supposed to win. And they lost the victory they weren't supposed to lose. Okay. So how does that connect with the story of Moses? They lose in an area they should be winning because of Achan. It's interesting to me that when you read that account and you stall just a little bit in the lineage, that you discover that Achan is from the tribe of Achan was from the tribe of Judah. Come on, theologians. In the Old Testament, the tribe of Judah was responsible for praise. In fact, Judah means praise. Okay, it's going to get tough. So they're praising, but one of the members that is praising, that is responsible for worship, is Robin. And so now, they find themselves in a situation where they lose when they were supposed to win. How many of us that know how to praise rob God all week long and we discover that we're losing in areas that we should be winning? We're winning in praise. Okay. We leave winning on Sunday morning and we lose by the end of the week because we're broke in areas that we should be prosperous simply because of disobedience in another area. Aiken teaches us this lesson that obedience in one area does not override disobedience in another area. Listen, some of you are being disobedient when it comes to your stuff and you look around you and, you, and everything seems to be going well. And so you literally call yourself blessed. And I'm just blessed. Got a nice house. Got a car that starts every time I go out in the driveway. I'm blessed. I got more than enough. I got, I got a couple extra hundred bucks in my bank account. I'm blessed. Can I help you this morning? Can I help you this morning? Can I help you this morning? All right. Look, look, look. I got a great family, great car, great house, great job. I'm blessed. And I, I just want to submit to you this morning that what you're calling blessed is really mercy. I'm going to help you this morning. So I go home. This is hypothetical. This never happens in my house. I go home and I look at my son and I say to my son, I need you to clean your room and take out the trash. Don't ask you to do much. That's all I'm asking you to do. Cook, get that nasty kid clean and, 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 and take out the trash on Sunday night because they pick it up on Monday morning. My son chooses to disobey. This never happens in my house. Just chooses to disobey. He walks into my kitchen 
and opens up my refrigerator and there just happens to be ham in there. And so he makes himself a ham sandwich. Alright? And he's sitting there eating himself a ham sandwich and one of his friends calls on his cell phone. This is purely hypothetical, I promise you. Because my son don't even talk like I'm getting ready to talk about that. So. But he answers the phone and his friend says, Hey man, how's it going? Blessed, man. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm just blessed. Just chilling. Blessed. Really? How are you blessed? Well, I just walked in the kitchen, opened up the refrigerator, and I made my my dad provided me some ham. I'm, I'm in here eating a ham sandwich. I am blessed. That's not being blessed. That's mercy. That is mercy. That I'm even letting you eat. Breathe. <laughs> See another day. It's mercy. Because what you didn't know is that you're only enjoying mercy. Because if you had obeyed, we were going to go get a T-bone. Now, T-bone is blessed. <laughs> but you're in my kitchen calling mercy blessed. And you haven't even tasted blessed. Because your disobedience has relegated you to a level called mercy. And it doesn't matter how often you call it blessed. As long as you're disobedient, you will never even smell blessed. Okay. We have to decide. If we want to live broke. Even if broke is comfortable. You missed what I just said. Some of you are broke, but you're comfortable. The bills are being paid. The lights are on. Your car works. You've got a great job. Your family's all together. You've got a comfortable environment to live in. You've got a nice enough TV. And I am blessed. No, you're living at a level called mercy. And if you could ever understand that blessed is an entirely different level that is reserved for those who are obedient. You've got to make up your mind that I am not willing to leave all the stuff behind and separate myself from God and, and try to live and call it blessed when I'm just living under a canopy of mercy when if I would submit all that stuff to Him and I would tithe and I would be obedient and I would give everything that I've got to God and say, it's yours. It's not mine. I'll do with it whatever you say. You can elevate your life. It doesn't matter how comfortable. You can live in a $400,000 house right now and still not be blessed if that's just mercy. And if you would ever become obedient and faithful and do what God says to do, then you elevate yourself to a level called blessed. And if you're living comfortable and broke, how much more, how much better could it be? If you could ever elevate to the best. Some of us know how to praise, but we rob God because we refuse to bring our stuff and therefore we settle in mercy and we call it blessed. And the end result is even though you are comfortable, you're broke. And here's the truth. You are living in a way that you're losing in areas where you should be winning. Can I just leave this here for you? Aiken 
forfeited a land that flowed with milk and honey because he couldn't live with a robe that he couldn't even wear. And he gave up the promised land for silver that he couldn't even spend. You think about that. He gave up everything that God said that he would do. They are, we're not operating from a group of people that don't know God that will come uh, a God that will come through. They just watched God win a powerful victory in Jericho. I know God's going to do what he says he's going to do. But I can't live without this robe, man. You ought to see this robe, man. It's slick, man. I'll be the only one. It's a custom robe, man. Nobody else got a robe like this one, man. I got this one at Buckle about the last one. They said that they only had one in all of Oklahoma City. I pay my $500. That was my time, but I got to have, I got to have my robe because, man, and, and we, we end up with stuff we can't even really enjoy. Achan couldn't even enjoy the robe that he stole, couldn't even spend the silver that he had. He buries it under his tent. I just wonder how many of us rob God, get stuff, and can't even enjoy it. You know why? Because it comes with, how many were here last week? You remember what it comes with when you get stuff that's not a blessing from God. You know what it comes with? It comes with trouble. According to Solomon, God adds blessings to our lives, and when He does, there's no trouble added to it. So we have obtained something on our own and disobedience, living like we shouldn't be living, and we end up losing in areas we should be winning. And all of a sudden, we got stuff we can't even enjoy. We go out to use the stuff that we rob God to get, and the guilt and the shame and the sick. We know how to worship. So we promise. And when we do, we become naked. And Moses said, Look, you cannot leave the suffering behind because it is part of, not all of, let's get this right. Anybody been to a church where they want everything you got all the time? How often have you heard me preach about giving? I think it's like four times in eight years. Four series in eight years. So we're not about, oh, you got to, can I get your W-2? Could you bring your W-2 next week? We'll just pick them up and off, and that way we'll know exactly how much you made, and then we can, we'll send you a bill. No? Have we done anything like that? Is Pastor Woody driving away with me? Only on Tuesday, so y'all don't see it. <laughs> Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. We're not, we're not being stupid here. We're not trying to manipulate you here. We believe. We don't just know. We believe that God is our provider. We know that if you rob God, it, the lights are going to stay on here. Stuff's going to happen because God's put his favor on this house and on this group of people. We understand that. We want you to quit living. Listen, I want what's best for you. I don't want you to live in mercy. I want you to graduate to blessed. It's all about money. No, I want you to be blessed. Because if you're not blessed, you can't enjoy it anyway.
what we need to see. I just want to say to you today, what we've got to do is we've got to learn to praise Him like our life depends on it on Sunday. And we've got to be obedient in every area of our life so that we win when we should win. And we should be victorious when we're victorious in areas that we're supposed to be victorious. And the Bible says that God wants to prosper us in every way. Do you know that or do you believe that? But you cannot graduate to that and still operate in this Will not work because you require God to violate His own word. Don't leave yourself. Moses refused to negotiate with the enemy. I'm asking you to come to the place, even if you're comfortable, where you refuse to negotiate with the enemy any longer, and you submit everything you own. Father, this morning, I sense and feel the pushback. Some of us are so comfortable. And what we've done is we've convinced ourselves that we're blessed. So God knows not Feel that flying back to this place. But my prayer today is this I pray that you would allow us to come to grips with this fact. If we're bound by anything, we're limited in everything. And so, Father, I pray for men and women, husband and wife.
something that has grown up in our lives to where we are comfortable at mercy. I pray you would take this body of believers and you would graduate us to last year. I ask you to do that for every man, every woman, every little boy, every little girl. And this group of believers, we would be so obedient in every area of our life including our finances. That when we say we're blessed, it's verified. We're blessed. And we're so blessed by you that there's no trouble that's been added to it. So our stress goes down, our anguish goes down, our worry goes down, our heartache goes down because we're not living at mercy. We're living at I pray that you would accomplish this for your name's sake, for your kingdom's sake, for these people. In Jesus' name, everybody said. All right, let's see what we're going to do next week. I'm printing off all your title reports, and we're going to put them on the screen. This will make you nervous. Come back next week. I've got something for you next week that's going to be great. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.